0: This is Jason Heat, and you are listening, watching, and otherwise enjoying the Three Count Podcast with Red Dog. I hear he's a Sherpa. Check it out.
1: The sun goes down the well, by now, if you've heard this intro, that means you know what it is. It is the boy himself, the Red Dog. That's right. The man that leads you up the mountain called wrestling. That's right. Clifford Miller himself. And this is now entering 201. And like every good show, but which I like to. God. And it's never about me. It's about who's entering the ring. So, who's entering me today? You can see this man at Fight Pro. He is the creative producer. He is also a man of many talents. You can catch him on his podcast, Collected Possibilities. You can also with yours truly especially. he been on a couple of those episodes. Um, and then you can also find him attached to so many other promotions, including working backstage and even pushing himself to put himself out there and do help with character development or just like whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for a new spin, definitely hit him up. He is the man, the myth, the legend, and my mentor and good friend, Jason Heat!
0: Hello. That is quite the introduction. Red Dog, you have read on your lettering but you're not wearing any red today and i gotta tell you that feels like maybe gimmick sacrilege where's the where's where's the red on the red dog buddy
1: i mean the word red is right here like red i mean it just says hood come but, on let's put it this way how many wrestlers
0: do you see wearing a black t-shirt oh yeah you gotta, you gotta stand out from the crowd brother
1: i have a podcast that's enough standing out right now
0: i assure you that having a wrestling podcast is not standing out from the crowd
1: i'm gonna tell you right now that having a wrestling podcast being a worker and then always pulling the curtain behind like sure a lot of people are like out there like oh hey brother like there's some things you probably shouldn't be doing or saying out there
0: so i uh, i don't think this is this is uh In the best way possible, I think when this is working well, this is a opportunity for sort of group professional development, right? Like the whole purpose of this podcast is to provide skull session, brain space between you and a lot of people from all different parts of the wrestling business. And so it's a learning opportunity. It's not meant to be, you know, an expose. It's meant to be skills building
1: yeah and so i i the way i look at it too is that you know and and the show is called now entering 201 right but like it's getting more in depth right like and and picking the minds of like some of the guests that we've had like some of my favorite guests like bring them back on talk to them about like how to get better in this business right and and it's funny because like yeah some of your favorite
0: guests and me you just
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it's been it's an opportunity to to sit back and learn and, and even like now it's in a ring, right, itself, right, um, it's it's just a cool way of, like, getting to, like, learn and understand, like, people's development and how they've grown in the business. And then you bring them back and then you have a full conversation with them again about, like, hey, like, here's some things I'm thinking about or things that I want to develop or what are, like, what are your expectations, right? Like, even uh, we've had other workers on I ask them the question, like, what, what is your expectation when you see someone who's been working in a business, like, three or four years, What what is the mindset for someone who's been in a business for 10 to 15 years or 15 to 20 years, or even for like five to 10 years? Like, what are your expectations for that person in particular? And, and I love hearing different answers and understanding and getting a grasp on like where they think. And so I can set my own expectations of like, all right, not only do I want to hit here, but now I want to get above that. And so I think it's a cool way for other people to sit back and listen and take notes and be like, oh, I never even thought about doing that before. So this is where like this whole show came and spun off of absolutely but there is somebody yeah, that does want to make an appearance um uh, he's been on every single episode and so we cannot have not have him on uh <laughs> jason is all perfect with my man the myth the legend uh marvel's owned gotta make sure to put out their licensing like right? uh deadpool is here uh he's actually in every single ever, ever since we did collective possibilities he's been on every single episode since then that's awesome uh, i will say back. <laughs> if
0: you get big enough that disney is coming after you for not mentioning that they are the licensed owner of deadpool you have succeeded wildly you know what i mean <laughs> like not that that's a good problem to have but in
1: some ways that would be a good problem to have i'm sure i'm sure bob iger is probably looking for a way to get some more money from uh from people, because <laughs> you know they're they have a writer strike going on right now. It's not like they can make any money, or, like just create new content. So he's probably about there, like, hmm, I'm gonna look through somebody's podcast and see what's going. Is that Deadpool? <laughs> Get him off of the air. <laughs>
0: Disney is notoriously litigious. They will, they will find you. So yeah, they will find. Don't him. put him in the. Don't put him in the, the flavor text of the episode, and you should
1: be fine. Yeah, I should be okay. He's just hanging out in the back, be like, listen, I'm promoting your brand. Like, just. Don't worry about it, okay? But no, I, I, I'm I'm definitely glad that we're here and we get to catch up and talk, right? Because the last thing we were on the show, uh, I think we did my podcast, and mm-hmm. then we turned on. We did Collective Possibilities, which I definitely loved, um, and we went to main event in Columbia, and then we recorded the rest of episode two. And, and you we-
0: are your episode is one of the most downloaded back episodes, actually. So. The, the usually you know in podcasts, you'll have your first week and then your first month, and after that, unless there's sort of a reason for stuff to lift up, it tends to then level off. And maybe occasionally, someone will um, download an episode after it's happened. But your episode, in particular, of Collective Possibilities, which is still available on the Collective Possibilities app, even while or not app feed, even though I'm taking a bit of a break from the show right now. If you want to listen to Cliffs. It has been one of the most downloaded from the back category catalog,
1: and I, I always feel like i I grab it every once in a while. I see like you put it up there and I grab it every so every so often and I'll repost it. it's It was one of those fun episodes where we got to really just kind of sit back and talk about stuff that was really like important, right because yeah, like the one thing about the the one thing and and I shared the story on on the podcast right was like I have a I had a good friend named Joseph, right Padilla. Um, and unfortunately he passed away a few years ago, but before I got to broke, break into the wrestling industry, uh, he and him and I were like best friends. And we'd always talk about like the paths that we wanted to take and the things that we wanted to do. And I kind of feel like now, cause he wanted to be in the military. He did not. I went into the military. He wanted to wrestle professionally. He did not. Obviously here I am like make my way through the business. Right. And it's been so much fun to like look back and learn and and develop myself. But then, like, you know, Joseph was kind of like a big part of that. so to like be able to kind of like honor him a little bit in my own way of just like going through this thing that he always wanted to do and just like have fun with it it's it's been a lot of fun. and I know he's looking down like, yo, know, I'm very proud of you. and I was talking about this with a friend of mine actually a couple a uh, couple days ago uh, realistically a couple days ago we were talking about this because I was like, no, it's people ask me like, "What got you into the business, and what keeps you in it?" And I was like, "Yo, this," and then like talk about the time times with Joseph when we were in the in the backyard back in two thousand three wrestling, <laughs> and, and uh, fast forward, uh, you know, to twenty twenty. Here I am, like walking in now, developing this whole crazy character that just randomly appears wherever he wants. <laughs>
0: there you go
1: but i guess for me and like having you on right cuz you you have had collective possibilities and you've been able to do a lot of cool stuff with it and like grow the podcast the way you've been able to grow it but then more importantly you yourself have been through like a huge growth in like the past the past year right um one if you go check out the last you go check out his last episode on you'll see uh his hair's different <laughs>
0: Yes. Well, that is literally as of today. So that is, yeah, We're, we're I, I I. sorry. Let me let you finish. Where do you want to jump to?
1: Yeah, no. So I guess it's for me to talk with you about it. It's like, what's, what's inspired you to keep growing in the business? I know like you've kind of had some like ups and downs like over the past year, but like what keeps you like in and keeps you growing, keeps you pushing to like reach those, those next levels in, in, in the business? I think that
0: one of the things that keeps me – it's interesting that you frame it that way. I never think about not continuing to go right now, in part because nothing comes from nothing. It's something that I keep telling myself that. Um, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to be a part of wrestling. It's an important part of my life. I think one of the things that I've kind of learned over the last year is that maybe I was hoping it could be – even like maybe everything that sort of fulfilled me creatively. And it doesn't quite work that way, or at least it doesn't right now, but it is a huge part of that diet and a huge important part of my ability to be creative right now, which is what's really important. And I want to be the best at what I do that I can possibly be. You know, for me, it's constantly about growing and learning and getting the opportunity to try and master the craft when it comes to commentary. And then when it comes to being a creative producer, it really is about building the opportunities to be able to see stories to completion and tell stories in this very distinct medium and play with where I think wrestling can particularly indie wrestling, you can get more in-depth on character development and story progression and earned moments instead of sort of, not a knock necessarily, but a lot of the, the business mechanics of independent wrestling is sort of separated shows, big matches, maybe even dream matches. And sometimes that's really exciting, the idea that a match's story can be, this is a dream match. Not every match needs to have a two-year build and stuff like that. Each match has its own story, and sometimes the match itself is the story. But I'm super interested in long-form episodic storytelling. I'm super interested in watching characters grow and change and face adversity. And uh, you know, a teacher of mine in college said there is nothing more interesting than objectives that you fail at. And watching that in a wrestling space and how that builds tension and and that the sort of dynamism of those obstacles. And that is what really motivates me to keep going is like, I want to more and more have the platform to be able to tell more interesting and diverse stories. And that only comes from building trust and earning more ability to have that canvas. And then also wanting to spotlight and feature talent and friends that I really believe. in. I feel like the whole idea of this entire business, industry, art form, however you want to phrase it is, you know, we all lift each other up when it's done right. You know what I mean? A great match gets both people over, even in someone's loss. When it does its job, everyone is coming out a little bit better to a lot better than when they came in, regardless of who is up and who is down. And I feel that way in terms of wanting to help with character coaching, or just even with booking or in commentary, it's all about how do I help elevate the talent that's in the ring? How do I help provide a spotlight or a perspective on the company or the individual wrestlers? And on a very sort of selfish and pragmatic level, I also really, at this point I'm, I'm saying like, I don't know that it'll ever happen, but I'd love to work for a TV company. You know what I mean? Like I want to get to a place where I am with AEW or WWE or Impact um, or MLW, you know, like, that's become a real goal of mine, whether that is as a commentator, whether that's in the creative department, whether that's just backstage with production, I do all of that in different areas. And I feel like everything that I do now is how do I improve myself and my chances to, 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 if I ever get that opportunity, knock it out of the park. So you made reference. I do look very different today. I've spent a lot of time the last year. It'd been like four years since I had a, a haircut. You, um, you're you literally seeing me the day that I got it. And and yeah, I probably should have anyways. I liked growing it out. But part of the reason I did it is because I was taking my own advice that I give to others where I, I talk about how important presentation is. And I'm, you know, if, if I want to be on TV, I, I should look like me. I should be unique. I should find what that is. But I also need to be honest about what that look is like, what, what makes someone more compelling in terms of their presentation? And, and, you know, long haired, scraggly Mick Foley looking guy can work as a wrestler, maybe even as a manager, as an announcer, it's probably not what people were looking for. And, if I'm telling other people how important their gear is and I'm telling other people how important that presentation style, I needed to take that step. And it really started with me just on a very practical level. My, my beard had a lot of gray in it and I don't think that's inherently a problem, but the way that it came in, it was outlining the bottom of my face. And I realized Mm. that on camera, it was basically like, kind of like, was cutting my face off. It just, it didn't have a a line. It didn't have a silhouette. And so I had never dyed my hair or my beard. Some of it just had to do with financially. And it took until I was like ready to jump. And then I'm in there. I'm like, okay, let's, let's do it all. So I've cut my hair, restyled it, shaped the beard, dyed my hair, dyed my beard all for the very first time. Not just because I'm like, Oh, I have to look younger and slimmer though. No one's ever said Unfortunately, that looking younger and slimmer hurt them from getting on television. But the idea of just like being more intentional and recognizing that whether that's it's fair or not, this presentation is probably going to make me more credible with a lot of people who are potential decision makers. And then I can add my style to it. Maybe it won't get me there, but not doing it might hurt me.
1: You know, it's it's interesting because you talk about, like, building a character or building uh, through episodic television, right? Just developing characters and stuff like that. And it's funny because, like, being at the Wrestling Open, which is attached to Beyond Wrestling, sure. it's been so opening, eye-opening, to sit on the outside and just watch, right? So, like, when I was at Voltage, like, obviously, you're always planning your matches and stuff like that. And you're there monthly, right? And you're just thinking about things and you're always looking around and you're trying to develop and – And understand and learn and keep working with like within the storylines that are happening. And not that there's anything wrong anything wrong with that. It's just that when I got to when I got to the open, I got to work a match and stuff like that. And it was cool. But I was sitting behind the scenes, just kind of learning and trying to understand. But there's a guy, his name's Paul Crockett, um, and he's the He's the creative mind behind sure. um, and I know he's probably not gonna like me putting it out there, but it is what it is at this point um, anyway, but he's he's a guy so you sit back and you listen and you listen and he it it reminds me so much of you because I remember sitting in meetings and stuff like that and just chatting with you and then you were like, hey, this is the story that I'm going for I want you and you to work with each other and this is the direction that we're heading in and this is what I want you guys to do is how the finishes and he's the same exact way so like I'm just so accustomed to like hearing be, uh, because I've been around you for so long I'm so accustomed to listening to people tell me like hey this is what we're thinking about it this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to move and I'm like oh yeah we can I can I can definitely work with this so listening to other people uh, give their advice and stuff and then like listening and just and just being an ear and, and, a, and a and a fly on the wall. I've been jotting down notes and I filled up my I filled up my previous notebook got filled up. So now it just sits in the car and I just drive and I'll go back in when I stop at a, a, a spot I'll go back and read some of the notes that I took and then I'll go to my new notebook and I'll start rewriting some of the notes that I took from previous lessons. So that sure. way I know that hey This was something that was super important. You should probably rewrite this again, just so that you keep it in your memory bank and you keep working on it. But it's it's so cool to be able to sit back and listen to people talk about, like, oh yeah, remember we did this last week, so we're gonna do this this week, and we're gonna talk, we're gonna showcase this. Or remember we worked eight months ago in this match, and you guys beat me with set finish. We're gonna tease that finish again. Only I'm gonna catch it, and then we're gonna change it. And I'm like, bro, this is just. I was like, I, this is where I wanted to be. This is what I wanted to do. So like to sit on the sidelines and just kind of take notes and observe and watch the crowd has been super rewarding because I've been there for like eight weeks now, just like understanding and listening and interpreting and then picking at people's brains and just like, you know, checking it out and developing something that I can get into and then just kind of waiting to hear my my call. And then, you know, once I hear it, then I'm I know I'm gonna take off running. I'm just waiting for that moment though.
0: Well, I would say first, that's very cool to hear about Paul. I don't know him well, personally. I think we've been in the same room once, but I, I enjoy his work as an announcer quite a bit. And I'm happy to hear that that's kind of the direction that he's bringing. I think that a lot of talent, Some and no one is the same and some people will chafe at it. So it all depends on where you've come from and what you're used to and the systems that you've built in. But I have discovered that I think a lot of talent would prefer to receive more direction than they do from bookers or promoters at a lot of shows. That is not to say that they want to be micromanaged, and nor do I think that it is at all useful to micromanage talent, especially if you're bringing in talent that you believe in and trust in, because that can really interfere in the process. But finding that medium and that collaboration, I do feel oftentimes a lot of wrestlers show up at a show and they just kind of get told something that might feel thrown together. They don't have a lot of information. And it it doesn't instill a lot of confidence in the product. It doesn't necessarily instill a lot of confidence in the vision. And those are, those are things that people can really buy into and also really help. Um, I've described, and if I've done this on this show before, I apologize, but in my brain generally, I think, Booking a wrestling show is equivalent to hiring a group of musicians to play a mixtape live that you've heard in your head. It's not a band because all of the different songs are going to be played by different musicians. But just like a great mixtape may not be one artist but when it's put together, there's a flow. It's not necessarily a narrative order, but it's an emotional arc or it's a thematic arc. It has highs and it has lows. It has different tempos. If you're starting with a two-minute blast beat, you might want to end with only in dreams, you know, Weezer long-form style, dreamy kind of main event. You have these different ideas. You bring in your talent. and Then you go, hey, I need you to play me a blues song. I need it to be on third. It's functioning in this way. Maybe it has to teach the audience this. Maybe we need to make sure that they feel this way because we're going to pull the rug out from under them later and we have to bring them up in order to bring them down. And it's got to be six minutes. It's got to be have this element and, and here's the goal for you. Or even sometimes I think here's a creative challenge, right? Like, hey, I really want you guys to do this match. And if you could play with it, I'd love to see what happens if this one doesn't have any strikes. You know what I mean? We're going to have a lot of these later. You guys are really technical. What if this is a complete hold for hold style match? Now there's something for you to play with as well that's a creative challenge. And then you hope that the musicians that you've hired go out and play those songs even better, then you heard it in your head and that the mix is an even better concert than it was when it was just a dream in your mind. A question that I have for you. So you've been on the sidelines for anyone who doesn't know, I'm sure everyone does, but just a good recap. You have recently moved from the DMV area up to Boston. It's a big shift for you in terms of your career. You've been sort of sitting, learning, watching. What is one thing you feel like you've learned in those last eight weeks watching this week-to-week episodic style that you are now going to try and take and put into the Red Dog character persona or wrestling style?
1: So there's there's been a couple things that kind of stuck out, right? The first one is everything in the ring has to be big, has to be big. Uh, and that just not goes for, like, the character, right? The character has to be big, has to be larger than life, right? But your movements have to be big. When you go to throw a punch, like you can't, it's not from this part. It's from way downtown, right? It's like you're throwing like a massive haymaker, right? Your sound has to be loud. You can't be like, "Uh, ah, ah, right? Like it's gotta project. Like there's a lot of things that are like I've been taken away. Cause I know like, not that I wouldn't say there's certain people that don't, right? There's just some certain people who get it and certain people that don't. And I'll use an example of someone who I feel gets it right killian mcmurphy is a perfect example of someone who just understands and like Chaz is the same way but i just i'm using killian for this purpose because killian will you'll hear i will be in another room on the other side of the building and i will hear shoot her and i'm like yeah killian just got in a ring I know where I know where the match is at if I hear Killian out loud.
0: <laughs> I think that if I mean if this just ends up being a whole time of us putting different people that we think deserve it over I'll be certainly like thrilled with that too. I think Killian McMurphy is um for as heralded as he is in certain circles is still an unheralded creative talent. I don't just mean that in terms of in the ring, though I do yeah. mean that. I've I've had the fortune to know him since 2017 and sort of really get to follow his career and be part of it at certain times as a promoter or, or as a booker. And as an announcer a lot, but I just think that he has a significant. That was my diabetes going straight to the top. Holy shoot. They get too excited here. You got to calm down. Seriously. So let's take that back. I think that Killian has an incredible creative mind that is probably underutilized as an agent or as a producer or just as an artist. I think that he is really interested in a lot of formal innovation. I think that he takes influences and inspiration from outside of wrestling. I mean, one of my favorite things that Fight Pro did, so super quick, Fight Pro is a promotion that is, run by Ernie Osiris, who's a good friend of mine. He's got a team surrounding him, including myself and Rhett Titus and uh, Mitch Franklin, the former Grizzly Redwood, and Prince Nana and others. And it's an interesting concept of what if indie wrestling was sort of really sports-based and almost looked like it lived On ESPN2 with separate divisions and a rule set that includes violations and a season model where depending on how you win, you get a different number of points, like three points for a submission, four points for a knockout. You work towards earning ways into the playoffs just like you would in a a more traditional sporting environment, but then also mixing that with episodic long-form storytelling, character development, trying to get, I don't know that we've succeeded, but trying to bring elements of like prestige television in terms of those long-term character dynamics and production value and mesh those things together on an indie wrestling level. And so we did a first season that aired on IWTV. You can check that out. All the episodes are up. And one of the matches was miles millennium and killian mcmurphy with big dust or the goons against the busky brawlers joe keys and eric martin and i believe i wish i had the exact words i'm not gonna waste time to find them but when i sent them the match description it was we were setting up the busky brawlers to be the real big bads on the way to the finals of the playoffs Their bigger bads were waiting in the wing, and we had this team called the Tonys that we had been following and seeing how they came together as an odd couple tag team, and we wanted them really clearly to be the good guys in this coming match. So we needed to make the Busky Brawlers the baddest, most dislikable people as possible. The Goons, however, were also heels. So you had a heel versus heel match. And so the what I sent them is basically... This is heel versus heel, but the goons are the heels we love to hate, and the buskies are the ones that we just hate. This should feel like Looney Tunes versus Monstars. When the goons are in control, they are clever, and they're kind of playing around with the busky brawlers. When the buskies finally get them, they have no time for that nonsense, and they just beat the ever-loving shit out of them. And that's going to be the overarching story do with that what you will. We have six to seven minutes and they took that Looney tunes versus bullies idea and went the extra mile with it. There was a whole section with party poppers that had come from a backstage segment and Killian and miles are throwing these poppers in their faces and it's just annoying them, and the big bullies are then getting confused, and they're trying to pull the poppers themselves, and it shoots them, and it's goofy, and it's sticky, but it's full of psychology, and then the buskies got their hands on them, and it was a massacre, and there's this last little standoff moment of Killian in the ring, and it's like Joe Keys is like, I'm going to kill you. Do you have anything left to say? Not literally, but that's sort of the moment thematically, and Killian pulls out one sad little party pop,